God says that uh, the soul that sins, it shall surely die. Uh, the wages of sin is death. God sent his son to pay that debt. And when the son died, justice was satisfied. The truth is offensive. The truth is offensive. The gospel is offensive. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. That's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 25 and 26. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of That Good Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Uncle Marco. I'm here with my nephew who just opened up with the scripture there. It's uh, my nephew, Mr. Seth Carter. What's going on, guys? So we want to thank you for tuning in today and listening to another episode. Hopefully you've had the chance to go back and listen to some of our, our of our episodes. Um, we've tackled some topics that are could be considered controversial, different things that um, we've wrestled with through prayer and through the scriptures and hope to help somebody else out that may listen to it and say, okay, let's look at this uh, topic in the scripture and what does it really mean versus maybe what I've been told um, or, you know, whatever, what I, what I originally thought. So uh, to, today's episode's no different. Um, it's going to be on the gift of repentance. So before we break into that, let's give a second to shout out to our sponsor, Narrowgate Boutique. You can find the website is narrowgateboutique.etsy.com and uh, if you order anything on there and just make sure you mention um, the Good Medicine Podcast, you get 20% off of your order. So uh, go check out. Go like their Facebook page. Um, she's actually doing a, uh, a show, like a, a, a not a craft show, but a, some kind of show <laughs> coming up uh, in March. So go check it out. Go uh, look at some of the stuff she's doing on there and, and uh, give it a like. Give the page a like and view what, what she's got going on there. Um, the goal of our podcast is to encourage fellow believers and to point unbelievers to Christ alone for salvation. So, Seth, before we get into this huge topic of the gift of repentance, which honestly we could probably take ten episodes and work through, um, let's let's do a, a random question uh, to get us kicked off. We went away from randomquestiongenerator.com because the questions are pretty lame today. So. Uh, we found another one. Uh, so the today's question would be: If you could pick one scented candle to smell the rest of your life, what would it be? It never burns out, and you always have the smell. That, yeah, like you go home every day, and that's what you smell. When you wake up in the morning, that's what you smell. Ooh, I would say waffles. I love waffles. <laughs> waffles. Are you talking like home? Are you talking like not Waffle House? No, but actual waffles. I'm talking like homemade good waffles. Mm-hmm. I, I love Waffle House. I like the smell of Waffle House because not only can you go in and it smells just like breakfast, but you can also ice skate on their floors in there. <laughs> you know, like, and there's pretty much grease on everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most time the cook's smoking a cigarette while they're flipping your flipping your pancakes or whatever. So uh, I guess if I if I could pick one um, one scent to be to smell the rest of my life, it probably would be. Uh, Folgers Black Silk Coffee, shout out. That'd be cool to get a sponsor from Folgers. 
Um, that would probably be my, my favorite smell. I love waking up in the morning and smelling coffee just, I mean, brewing fresh. It makes the hairs on my arms stand up when I smell <laughs> it in the morning. Uh, or, or uh, smoke barbecue. Oh, man. man. Somebody's got it in a smoker. Oh, oh glory. I changed mine to that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can roll up somewhere where they've got barbecue smoking, and it's just like the glory is rolling out of that. Oh, thing. my goodness. The smoke brisket. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's so amazing. Yeah. You stand in barbecue smoke, it's like the Shekinah glory. <laughs> I felt something on that. I don't believe it was the Holy Spirit, but. Yeah. Uh, that's probably, that probably would be my, my two picks. So, um, getting on into the episode the gift of repentance so um we've talked a lot about different um different doctrines different things throughout the scripture Uh, we try to um through our podcast give you an understanding of what uh, the scripture says in context uh, and take a look at you know what some people would probably consider a four-letter word uh, theology which is actually a good thing i mean uh, we're reading the scriptures paul told timothy to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Um, so people say, well, you know, I don't need that theology stuff or don't need that doctrine stuff. But, like, that was Paul's, ex- his explicit, uh, his explicit instruction to Timothy was reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. So make sure people are actually learning what's true and what's not. Yeah, when we talk about theology, we're talking about the study of God. Yeah. It's an important thing, and if you have bad theology, you have a bad view of God. That's true. So we want to have good biblical theology is what we want. Yeah. Um, So on today's episode, we're going to get into the doctrine of repentance and what that is, um, where we see it at in the scriptures, and what does it actually mean to be somebody who is repentant. Um, So... Just, I'll kick us off uh, with just what it means, uh, and then I'll hand it over to Seth for, for a few. Um, so the, the word repentance, it actually means a change of mind. Um, Seth could probably tell you the, the actual, the original word uh, that it, that stems from. Uh, I don't have that uh, understanding to be able to say the word. I probably would sound like I bit my tongue saying it. Um, but it literally means a change of mind is what repentance yeah. means. Uh, you're changing your mind about who God is, who we are, um, where we stand, who Jesus is. Those things are, are what causes us to change our mind. So uh, with that, I'll, I'll kick it over to Seth. What 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 you want to start us with here? Well, we'll start with repentance, like you mentioned there. The English word repentance uh, comes from the Greek word manoia or mania. It can be pronounced either way. Yeah. But that's where we get our word repentance from from the greek and the word manoia or mania simply means to have a significant change of one's mind you're having a change of mind that's all it is now people get repentance mixed up on certain things they get the meaning of it mixed up marcus see the simple meaning of the word repent the simple meaning really just to have a change of mind just Mm -hmm. leave it there that's all it is yeah uh, now, for people get mixed up on things, is the components that are related to repentance, but aren't actually repentance. Many answers are typically given, like sorrow, regret for doing wrong, crying or mourning over sin, being simply heartbroken over it, or when you simply admit that you're wrong. Those are common answers that are given for that definition of repentance. But that's not repentance. They're very closely closely related and show that a person more than likely has the fruits that lead to repentance. 
but that's not always the case uh, having sorrow because you see in the Bible for there's godly sorrow and there's sorrow of the world mm-hmm. but, yeah yeah so what you're saying there is um, if I get caught stealing a sucker from the store uh, and my parent says you shouldn't do that and you're going to say I'm sorry well um, you may not necessarily be sorry at the moment that you stole something. You're just sorry that you got caught, basically. Pretty much, and you ain't had a change of mind yet. Yeah, you hadn't changed your mind that, you know, this is bad to do Your that. conscience is probably eating at you and everything, because everybody has a conscience, sure. saved or unsaved, and it's eating at you and bothering you, but you haven't repented mm-hmm. yet. And there seems to be a lot of controversial talk in the church about this. I mean, not so much in Reformed churches or conservative churches, but a lot of evangelical churches the doctrine of repentance is controversial and sadly it shouldn't be controversial at all there is a tax on this doctrine saying it's a work and can't be a, uh, preached along with the death burial resurrection of our lord and savior mm-hmm. and it's what christians have taught for over two thousand years it's essential i mean it is because uh, what the bible teaches and explains about repentance tends to be underlooked in the church today yeah. And through gospel preaching and teaching, but it must be included in our message. It's a it's a central doctrine in the preaching of the gospel. Mm-hmm. It must be mentioned. Uh, repentance is a critical component in God's divine work in the souls of men and women. And one of the clearest elements of it, of the invitation to salvation on the pages of Scripture is the issue of repentance. Marcus, yeah, I, I want to say this. Um, and it's like you you said it there a second ago, but I want to really point this out is um, a lot of times we hear repentance as if it is a work that we're doing uh, because you hear the word repent. It, it is an action word. It's something that uh, when you read in the scriptures, when Jesus says repent and believe the gospel, um, if, if we're not careful, we can read um, our works into that. But I want to point out you opened up in Second Timothy uh, chapter 2 and verse 25 um, it says with gentleness correcting them who are, are in uh, opposition if perhaps God may grant them repentance um, so it's God who grants us repentance it's a gift from God it's not a work that we just um, you know we, we wake up and decide that we're going to repent over something it's God that causes that repentance it is and what I can't understand is why would people want to take repentance out of the preaching of the gospel? I mean, Jesus himself preached repentance. I mean, Jesus starts preaching after he wins the victory of being tempted four days and four nights by Satan. Our Lord starts his message by saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's in Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse 17. And our Lord preached repentance so much. I just don't see what in the world the christian church thinks they're doing by not wanting to preach it yeah um and i think too uh i think it's 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 probably looked at the wrong way um as you said uh, it's looked at as um you know you either hear it, it's one extreme or the other you don't hear it at all at all um or you hear it in the sense of um just like in a hateful and a mean type of way um when as repentance um we see that uh, through the scriptures that it's not the necessarily the, the quality of our repentance; it's the sincerity, the sincerity of our of our repentance that God gives us. He grants us that gift of repentance. So, um, just an example um, to try to help us understand it: um, we repent because we love God. Yeah, um, like that's once once we're saved, 
Um, we repent because we love God. Now, we repent out of reverence for him also, um, but our repentance towards God is, is because it's someone that we love. If I was a, a jerk to my wife about something, uh, and you know, I, cu- I couldn't go long without telling her that I was sorry, um, not because I'm afraid she's going to turn around and leave me, on the spot or something like that, but it's because I'm wrong. I've wronged someone that I love. Uh, and so that's genuine repentance is uh, whenever we see who we are and who God is and what Christ has done, that's what leads to repentance. Yeah, when we talk about what leads to repentance, it's sorrow. As we mentioned earlier, like sorrow for regret of doing wrong and crying or just being heartbroken over sin. We have two different types of sorrow that's mentioned in the Bible. And 2 Corinthians chapter 7 shows that. In verse 9 and 10, it shows two different types of sorrow. Um, now, I rejoice. This is verse 9. It says, Now I rejoice that ye were made sorry, but that ye, here it is, sorrow to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. That shows us the difference of that one. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's godly sorrow. Now, verse 10 says this right here. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. That's the kind of sorrow you want from the gospel's preach. That's the kind of sorrow that you want to see when somebody is listening to the gospel being preached. That's the kind of sorrow that leads to somebody coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Yeah. A few examples of godly sorrow in Scripture is really Psalms 51. David cries out to God. Now, I believe David was converted already here. Yeah, me too. But you see godly sorrow here. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, Mm -hmm. according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is even ever before me against thee thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest how many times have you had this in your life Marcus yeah that's that's a, a, a worth pointing out notice that David calls out to God's mercy his long suffering, but he also acknowledges his sin before yeah. God. As I said earlier, uh, repentance repentance being a change of mind, it's about who God is and who we are. Yeah. David, you can see clearly through that prayer, uh, David realizes that God, uh, one of his attributes is that he's holy, he's just, he's righteous, but he's also long suffering. He's patient. He's kind to his creature, um, to his to his children. Um, so David calls out to God for mercy and cries out for mercy because he realizes who he is and where he stands. Um, though he was justified, I would agree with you there. He was he was somebody that was saved um, by by grace through faith, same, same as ever, anybody that's ever been saved. Um, but he fell into a great sin, um, yeah. and so uh, we know that the prophet Nathan came before him and and you know was giving him uh, basically a story of something that happened. And he didn't name David uh, specifically, but that also uh, caused David to say, well, yeah, we should kill that. The guy who did that, yeah, let's kill him. And then Nathan says, thou art the man. It was you, David. Um, So pointing, uh, Nathan pointed David to his sin, to see his sin. Um, But then David, being a child of God, realized who it is that he had sinned against. 
Um, and it's it's amazing to see that, yeah, David definitely sinned against um, Bathsheba, against Uriah. But who does he call out to there? God. He calls out to God first. Um, so the repentance there, he, he, he comes to realize that he sinned against a holy and a just God, and he cries out to him for mercy. Um, not because, you know, he's afraid that God is just going to, wipe him off the face of the earth now would god be justified in doing that for sure he'd be justified in wiping us all off the face yes of the earth. yes but i uh, cannot count how many times in my life me too after being born again after being saved mm-hmm. i don't know who in the world thinks christians do not mess up bad after they yeah. get saved yeah david was a man after god's own heart loved god so much yeah fell into temptation how many of us fall into temptation daily how many of us fall into bad temptations daily i'm just here to say i've been there and i felt like david in this scripture calling out to god in my prayer crawls yeah just begging god for forgiveness wanting to be freed from the burden and the guilt of sin mm-hmm. i've been there when i say god i have sinned against you mm-hmm. and i am so sorry yeah but that is godly sorrow that is in the heart of the believer that works towards repentance of sin yeah and it's it's something i can i can attest to also is um you know i've had to go back to brothers in christ uh that i've did something or said something to before uh, that I was not right in doing, um, and God dealt with me bitterly over those things. I mean, I'm like, you have that sense, like you said, of guilt. You sense your sin. Your sin, uh, as David says, it's ever before you. you that's all yeah. you can think about. Um, and then go to God in repentance for that. Um, and then through that, we see uh, genuine repentance. Uh, there's fruit that comes out of that. You know, if if we're truly repentant towards God. If you've wronged a brother or sister in Christ, you're going to go to them after you go to God and say, "Brother, I'm sorry. I've 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 offended uh, I've offended you. I've I've acted a certain way towards you, and I was wrong." Um, and you know that's that's a, a sign of true repentance. Uh, I want to read this verse in, in Matthew uh, chapter three, a few verses of uh, a scripture when John the Baptist came on the scene. Uh, we know John the Baptist; uh, he was the one that was was prophesied about in the Old Testament. The one, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness uh, make ready the way of the Lord make his path straight so uh, in John or I mean in Matthew chapter 3 uh, well, I'll just read a few verses here it says now John in verse 4 now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather bound leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild wild honey then Jerusalem was going out to him and all of Judea, Judea and all of the district around the Jordan and they were being baptized uh, by him in the Jordan River, and they confessed their sins. So these people are going out to John. Uh, he's preaching a message of repentance to them, uh, and they're going out to him, and they're repenting of their sins. They're being baptized. But then in verse 7, we, we see it says, uh, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming for baptism, these were the religious leaders, the, the zealots, the ones that um, knew the law of God, but they... Um, they were they were off on they weren't genuine and and they're uh, they're coming to him so when when the pharisees and the sadducees come uh, for baptism he said to him he said to them you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come therefore bear fruit and keep bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not suppose that you you can say to yourselves we have abraham for our faith for i say to you that from these stones god is able to raise up children to abraham the axe is already laid 
at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not every tree that does not bear for bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So, um, we see true repentance and those that were coming from Jerusalem yeah. and confessing their sins, and then we see the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were coming for baptism, but they weren't genuine in that. No, um, you see people that's actually there that's listening to John's message that have ears to hear, that really take in what John is saying and believe who John is from the scriptures, and they want to repent. And um, another example of God, that this godly sorrow right there, yeah. Marcus, and another example of godly sorrow that actually led to salvation that I want to talk about is found in the book of Acts, the old Philippian jail, jailer mm-hmm. who was uh, broken down in Acts 16. and. It says right here in Scripture, after the earthquake happened, the doors shook open. Um, the doors. Sh- uh, this is where the jail doors opened in uh, in the Philippian jail, and Paul and uh, Silas. Silas yeah. The doors fully open, yeah. and the Philippian jailer he was going to draw his sword and kill himself because he thought they all escaped, and he's probably going to be afraid that they would have killed him for them escaping, yeah. and be tortured to death. But Paul said to him. Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. <laughs> then the jailer called for a light and sprang in and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That is godly sorrow that produces repentance that leads to salvation and without regret. Amen. That's a wonderful example of godly sorrow. The other kind of sorrow found in the Bible is the kind you don't want to have at all. As you, we mentioned godly sorrow, this is the sorrow of the world. And verse number 10 of uh, the 7th chapter of Corinthians talks about that. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. One kind of sorrow leads to everlasting life with repentance and faith towards Christ. And the other leads to spiritual death and everlasting torment in the lake of fire. In God's providence, if Paul didn't shout out to the Philippian jailer, that would have been sorrow that brought forth death from the world. But after Paul and Silas ministered to him the word of God, that changed to godly sorrow that brings forth life. Because it's mentioned at the end of Scripture that the jailer rejoiced because he believed in God. Mm-hmm. He was born again. But sadly, this isn't always the case. Not everybody ends up having godly sorrow that leads to repentance unto salvation. In the 27th chapter of Matthew, in verse 3, Judas, which had betrayed him, which is Jesus, of course, who he's betrayed here in Scripture, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned and I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went out and hanged himself. The sorrow that leads to death over sin is a horri- it's a horrific, tragical thing. We see that here in this scripture. We also see how the world will act like it's your friend or for a season, but when it comes down to it, this world doesn't even care about us. It don't. The chief priests and the elders didn't care about him. They was of the world. And I'm not trying to get off the subject there, but this just shows you right there. The world don't care nothing about you. Yeah. But Jesus does, of course. Yeah. Um, this is why godly sorrow is so important. It really is. Yeah, um, I want to read a, a verse of scripture in Isaiah six, which will probably be familiar to our, our listeners. Um, but it, it, you see, um, the weight of God's glory and His holiness 
in this in these verses of scripture here. Isaiah six and one says, um, "In the year of King uh, Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood around, uh, stood above him, each ha- each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew." And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have ever have for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of Hosts. So we see in in Isaiah six here, we see um, just God's glory and His holiness showed in the verses of Scripture. But what what is what is the first thing in verse five? Isaiah says, "Then I said, after all these things explaining God's holiness and His righteousness and His glory." He says, "Woe is me, for I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. Yep. I am. I live among unclean people. Um, so it's important to note that that um, we realize who God is and who we are, um, but also uh, we realize that we live among unclean people. We, we realize do. that none is righteous, no, not one. Uh, and uh, a lot of times, I feel like we probably thumb our nose at people because they're not up to our what we think our standards should be." Um, but if if we really take a look at who God is uh, through through uh, He reveals us to us through His Word through the Holy Spirit, when we see who God is, we realize we have no grounds to stand. None of us do. I yeah. can't look at you, Seth, and say, "Well, your repentance is not good enough." Well, mine's not good enough. You can't look at other believers and say their repentance isn't good enough, no. or they're not living up to the stature. Because right. we none of us live up to the stature. None of us do. But repentance and faith go together. They do. They're, they're two things that go together, um, and faith it, it incorporates repentance um, and the quality of our repentance. Let's be honest. Um, sometimes it's just horrible. Most of the time, it's horrible. Sometimes we should repent of our repentance because it's not good enough. You have to repent for lying to God yeah. about your repentance at times. And I've been there. I say, sure. Lord, I said I was going to repent. Yeah, I didn't repent. Yeah, and I, we're, how many times? Um, and, and I'll be honest enough to say this that there's been times where I've, I've went to God in prayer to repent for something and I've not been sincere and it turned around and do the same thing over again. I've done it out of habit before, to be honest Me with too. you. And there's time, then He breaks you down for that. Yeah, um, but God is long suffering, as you read, um, where in Psalm 51, David in his repentance, I believe David was genuine in repentance. Oh, I believe he sure. was there too. Um, but he calls out to God's mercy, his love and kindness, not because. Uh, sure he had a fear and a reverence for, uh, for God for sure but he's calling someone that he loves that he's sinned against Yeah. Um, so the quality of our repentance I want to say that I want to make sure that we note that that the quality of our repentance is never going to be perfect no no and I want to point out when David's calling out to God he's calling out for mercy his mm-hmm. loving kindness because he knows the justice of God he should die Yeah. his only hope is the mercy of God to to come upon him yeah and i believe it did and i believe god chastised david a lot but mm-hmm. it's because god loved david yeah. but the message of repentance is clear throughout the bible and uh, i want to go to isaiah here then we could go to 
about yeah. repentance being a gift, but I just want to show how much it's taught throughout the Bible. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon we see this here in Scripture, and it's in the Old Testament and New Testament, Absolutely. repentance yeah. is. But seeking the Lord while he may be found is very important. Calling upon him is also important. But so is forsaking wicked ways and unrighteous thoughts. We see repentance mentioned here without the word even being used here. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to talk, to talk about seeking the Lord without turning away from sin. It's impossible to talk about turning to the Lord without turning away from all forms of iniquity and in morality the message of repentance is clearly essential and must be included in the gospel message there's no if ands or buts around it marcus yeah yeah Yeah. and um we can put emphasis on a lot of things uh through preaching of the gospel teaching of the gospel um the gospel is jesus jesus is the gospel he's, he's our sacrifice he's the perfect one that stood in our place he came to save sinners um but we see that there's there's repentance and faith play a part in our in our salvation uh, as Seth read there it was throughout the Old Testament and it's it's all throughout the New Testament um, but it, it is essential um, to talk about to preach repentance um, and but it's also and, and we'll change the gears here it's also important to know uh, as we were saying that your repentance is not perfect um, a lot of times we'll hear repentance preached in a way um, that you're not, you're not, uh, you're not up to par. You're not doing enough. You're, you're not, you're not this. You're not that. Um, as in, it's a work. People will, will spin it that way. As in, it, it's a work that you do. God grants the gift of repentance. What is repentance? Not. It's not a work. It's a gift from God. So God causes us to repent. Um, a lot of, a lot of times in the, uh, the Christian life and, and some of the. The circles that, that we've been in, um, in the maybe fundamentalists and, and all these type of things that we hear, um, repentance preached in a way that it's not a work of God. It's just a guilt trip from somebody. Yeah. Um, you should you should uh, repent. You should repent because of this. You should repent because of that. Now, while those things may be true, if we're not if it's not the Holy Spirit causing us to repent, it's not godly sorrow, like you said. So, uh, there's many people out there that believe if they're not um, caught up on their repentance, if they were to die, they they wouldn't uh, be able to go to heaven because they're not repented enough. Well, I would just say that you'll never be repented no, enough. Never. Um, and it's not something that you can just decide uh, that today I'm going to repent more than yesterday. God calls us that. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's through the process of sanctification. Um, God uh, repents us, basically. God is the one who causes us to repent, and it's not a work, but it's a gift of God. And we shouldn't focus on the quality of our repentance. Um, Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, um, A sinner can no more repent and believe without the Holy Spirit's aid than he can create a world. Uh, repentance, uh, Thomas Watson, here's another quote, Repentance is a is a, uh, a grace of God's Spirit whereby a sinner is inward, inwardly humbled and visibly reformed. So it points us to Jesus and it humbles us. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. It's not through um, somebody browbeating us uh, into submission. It's the Holy Spirit that's working in us. It is, and it's not something you can conjure up within yourself. No, no, you can't. 
And true genuine repentance is, is a work of God, just like true faith is a gift of God, grace is the gift of God. All these things are of God because uh, when we, if we try to muster them up in ourselves or browbeat somebody with these things, um, it's just you're, you're in submission, but you're in submission to yourself or you're in submission to somebody else, but you're not really in submission to God. And the Holy Spirit is the one who does that work. Yeah, and we talk about how true repentance is and everything, but shifting along to repentance in the gospel message, as we started out earlier, we have got to mention repentance through gospel preaching. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just got to. Yeah. This preaching of easy believism that you just do this and that and you repeat this prayer and everything just makes me sick. Nowhere in the Bible did say that uh, they say pray this simple prayer and be saved. No, that's not the case at all. Um, Luke chapter twenty four says this right here in verses forty five through forty seven. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. That's the gospel, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. You mentioned repentance with the gospel. They go together. They're not a contradiction right, at all. Exactly. And um, you don't mention one without the other. So uh, on the flip side of things, uh, repentance shouldn't be preached without anything following that. Uh, repentance is preached with, as, as you read there, repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Uh, I've, I've sat uh, and heard messages many times in my life where the only thing you hear is repent, repent, repent. Well, if you don't realize who God is and you don't acknowledge your sin, you don't have knowledge of your sin, what do you need to repent of? If yeah. you're just getting screamed at and somebody telling you to repent, uh, J.C. Ryle, here's another quote. He said, true repentance begins with knowledge of sin. It goes on to work sorrow for sin. It leads to confession of sin before God. It shows itself uh, before a person by uh, a breaking off from sin. It results in producing a deep hatred for all sin. Um, so, yes, we should hate our sin. Yeah. Our sin is what, what killed the Savior, our yeah. sin. And, and before you even read all that, you have a knowledge of who God is that leads to everything that yes. you just said. Yes. Um, you, you change your mind. Going back to the beginning of what repentance means, a change of mind. Um, as an unbeliever, uh, you may have many thoughts of God, but not a true understanding of who He is. God grants you uh, grace and faith and repentance, and you realize who God is. The first thing that we see is how ungodly and unholy we are. Yeah, just like Isaiah, when he just yeah. read. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Christ left us um, without the Holy Spirit to uh, enable us to repent. It's the Holy Spirit that causes us to repent, and it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to keep on repenting. Uh, Christ didn't just leave us with a bunch of commands and no ability to do it. Yes, we have no ability in ourselves to do it, but the Holy Spirit causes us to do that. And it seems like I mention it in every episode, but uh, the verse from Philippians chapter 2 where it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, but it's God who works in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. The Holy Spirit is working actively working in the life of the believer causing him to repentance so i can't tell you seth your repentance should be this much or your repentance should be that much i trust the work of the holy spirit in your life as same same for for you as you should for me yeah i mean there simply has to be 
a, a genuine change of mind. If you actually hate the things you once loved and the things now you love bring glory to God and not yourself. And that's how you know you have repentance, mm-hmm. true repentance. You have a new relationship with sin. You don't love your sin anymore. You hate it. Don't get me wrong. There's not times that you want to fall into your sin. But you. But there's always going to be a deep hatred deep down in your soul for that. Mm-hmm. It may be pleasure to you within a season, but afterwards there's going to be godly sorrow that work of to repentance. Yeah. Um, one of the last things I want to hit on before... We mentioned it briefly, but repentance is a gift. It is. I don't see how in the world you cannot see through the scriptures how it's not a gift. Acts 5.31, Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. To give repentance. Mm -hmm. You're giving it. It's a gift. Acts 11.18, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then have God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. It's always been a gift in Scripture. And Second yeah. Timothy 2, 25 and 26, this is the verse we opened up with. And meekness, instruction, those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to a knowledge of to a knowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil right yeah. there it's always gift or granted it's always them words it's mm-hmm. always been a gift from god yeah and it doesn't contradict the gospel at all no and somebody may hear hear us talking about repentance being a gift and say well god commands all men to repent right well yes god does command us to repent but he also gives us the Holy Spirit. He enables us to be able to repent. He does. It is a command from God, but also it's not only a command that's just left with no ability to complete it. We we can't complete it in ourselves, but it's God who enables us to repent. As that's we, why it's a gift. That's the reason why it says God has given repentance to Israel. God has granted repentance to the Gentiles. That's yeah. the reason why it says that. You could clearly see it in the scriptures right there. That's the reason why it don't contradict, but goes along with Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If repentance wasn't a gift from God just like that, it would be a contradiction. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I think we, we've, we've done a pretty good job in covering what repentance is through the scripture and what it's not, um, speaking of it not being a work that we can muster up ourselves. I think we've done a pretty good job of explaining that. I just want to say this for anyone that's listening. Um, I know personally for me, there was time in my life where I felt like, well, I always feel like I'm not repenting good enough. I'll be honest in saying I feel like I'm not caught up on my repentance or however you want to put that um, take that for whatever you want to but um, it's important to realize that uh, we are still we still have a sin nature we're still sinful creatures we're, we are uh, as Christians we've been born again uh, and as Seth mentioned in, in last episode the true Christian lives in Romans chapter 7 the wretched man that's who we are uh, and through that wretchedness, we realize who God is, and it, it causes us to repent. The Holy Spirit working in us causes us to repent. But I don't want you to think from listening to this episode that just because you don't uh, perfectly repent uh, that you're not really a Christian, that you have to be uh, perfectly perfectly repentant 
to be saved. Um, God uh, perfects that. It's God's the work of God is perfect, but our our side of things is never going to be perfect. No, until you we get can't. To you can't rely on a perfect repentance yeah. to show that you've Just like been you, saved. You can't rely on a perfect prayer uh, when you're saved. Like people, as you mentioned, um, will trust in a, a prayer that they've prayed. You know, and God causes us to to pray and do those things. Um, but if we get hung up on how good our repentance is, we would naturally get hung up on how good was my prayer when I got saved? How good was this? How good have I done this? How it good? goes to works performance. Then. It does, and, and, and it points. Uh, we point back and looking to ourselves instead of looking to God. When we look to ourselves, I said this in the last episode, when we look to ourselves, we're going to just find failure for sure. Yeah. But when we look to Christ um, for salvation, He's gonna he's gonna complete that work. When we look to uh, to Christ for sanctification for that work, He's gonna give you perfect repentance. Um, now, it doesn't always work out perfectly in our lives. Like I said, it's because we're sinful creatures. We're sinful. Um, we're sinful people. All of us are. We are messed up people. We're not perfect. Um, so this belief that um, you have to have perfect repentance and you have to uh, be ca- all the way caught up on your pen- repentance on the day that you die. You're not going to go to heaven. Is is just a false belief because um, I would ask you, at what point are you all the way caught up? Have you ever been all the way caught up on your repentance? No, absolutely. Oh, you sin more than likely every second of your yeah, life. Yeah. So it, it, the here's the here's the main thing we need to we need to say in this episode is look to Jesus Christ. If we look to Christ in salvation will surely be saved. If we yes. look to Christ in sanctification, we'll surely be sanctified. Yes. And may God grant you to have a change of mind yeah. to turn from your sin. Not talking about perfect turning away from sin, but you should turn from your sin. Yeah. But God grant you a change of mind to turn away from the worldly system, the sin of whatever. Whatever it yeah. is. A change of mind from the thinking and worshiping of the world yeah. to his precious son. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Look to Jesus. I think the whole the whole New Testament, we I mean the Old Testament too, can be summed up by by those words. Look to Jesus. Look yeah. to Jesus, um, and in that you'll find salvation. In that you'll find rest. In that you'll find repentance. In that you'll find grace. In that you'll find sanctification. In that you'll find uh, a prayer life. In that you'll find a desire to know God more. But it's God who does the work in us. So. Yeah. Um, I think that's. I think we're, we we've pretty well covered what repentance is. We gave you some good scripture on what repentance is, what it looks like uh, through the scriptures. We gave you different examples of people in the Bible and their repentance, uh, but then we also talked about what it's not. So I hope that it has truly helped somebody. I hope that you can listen to it, and if you have any questions from it or anything. Um, just shoot us a message. You got anything else to say? Yeah, I just want to say this. I honestly feel that I should say this, and I usually don't say that yeah. much. If you're a Christian and you're listening and you're struggling with a certain sin that you've been battling since you've been saved, and I'm sure it has caused doubts of you even thinking you are saved, but more than likely if you're battling and wanting to get rid of it, it means you are saved. That's good. Yeah. I just want to say that God is patient and long-suffering and loves you. He loves you. Yeah. I like what Paul Washer said. I have given Christ countless reasons not to love me. None of them have changed his mind. Amen. God loves us. He's patient with us. And truly, we do need to repent of our sins. We yeah. do need to repent yeah. of what we're struggling with. Yeah. But I just want you to know God loves you. 
And if you be more sincere with him in your prayers and just be real with God because he knows your mind, knows your heart, knows your thoughts, knows everything. Be real with God in your life. Tell him what's going on. Tell him what's bothering you. Tell him what you struggle with. Tell him the lies that you have in your mind when you go to him in your prayer life. Because mm-hmm. we have all been there in our prayer life and we haven't been honest with God. And when you're not honest with God, you are lying. Yeah, it's amazing to me um, because I do this myself. We go to God in prayer superficially uh, in a way that we're, we think that like we're pulling the wool over his eyes or something. But I mean, look at the true prayers of repentance in the Bible. And it's just honesty before God, broken honesty before God. As you read uh, in Psalm 51, David said, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. My, my sin, my transgression, it's ever before me. Basically, uh, if I was to put that in, into to my terms, if I was praying to God for that, I would say, God, I've messed up. I'm I'm a I'm messed up. I'm messed up. I'm so glad, God, that you're not like me. Yeah. Um, and realizing that God is loving, He's merciful, He's long suffering, all those things, um, and God truly does love us. Yeah. Um, and that's why He causes us to repent. He does, and not just for Christians, but preachers, pastors. Sunday school teachers all mess up bad. Mm-hmm. We all do. I know we should hold ourselves to a higher standard because we are judged for that yeah. and everything. But who in the world thinks that we don't mess up is just insane. Yeah. yeah. I have sinned numerous times against the Lord. I have messed up so bad after my conversion to the point I felt like I could just just want to kill up and die, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, Marcus. Yeah. Just to the point the guilt was so bad. But I just want to say this. When sin abounds, grace abounds more. Amen. Amen. That's right. Grace abounds. So um, we want to tell you uh, that repentance is its not to be, uh, it's not something we should shy away from, but it's something that we should be thankful for. We should be thankful for repentance. So It's a gift. It, it is. It, it truly is a gift. And when you're able to repent, it's such a relief on your soul. Yeah, yeah. When Jesus said, come to me, you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You're carrying all these things that are causing you to, to be weighed down and they're burdensome to you. You're trusting in your own works. You're trusting in these things. You've you've sinned against the Holy God. Come to Christ and he'll give you rest. And yes. through that rest, he'll cause you to look to him in love and as David did. Be gracious to me. Be, be merciful to me. Gracious God. Uh, I've sinned against you and you only have I and sinned. And not only did Christ just take away the sin, he took away the guilt of the sin and Amen. the shame of sin at the Amen. foot of the cross. Amen. I think it's a good place to end. Uh, if you guys got any questions or anything, you listen back to this, uh, we'd love to talk to you more about this. I think these episodes, we probably could honestly go for two or three hours if we wanted to, but we try to keep it uh, kind of condensed to where you can listen, you know, on a ride down the, down the road in the car or, you know, sitting at, at work uh, in your headphones or whatever. So uh, we hope that it's helped you. And like I said, if you got any questions or anything, just uh, just give us a shout and we'll, we'll shut it off air. So thanks for listening and God bless.